The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. Glad to be here today with everybody. This is episode 337, dated Friday, December 8th, 2023. Before we continue with our program, let me introduce Peter Alchel, our friend and colleague and co-host. Peter, what's going on today up in Coos Bay, Oregon? Well, the atmospheric river has receded, and we have a relatively pleasant day here. But never fear, it's supposed to rain again tomorrow and Sunday. So that's the typical uh, northwest winter. That's the nature of the beast in Oregon. Am I correct about that? You are correct. Okay. Let me thank those people who make it possible for In Perspective to be on the air and to be made available. We start out with our executive editor and producer, Raymond Gay. Thank you for what you do, sir. I also want to give thanks to Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline. Thank you for posting our programs on greeting door number 15. We appreciate that. I also want to thank our media outlets for airing us when you do. We appreciate that as well. And I also would like to, while talking about the media outlets, we have a new media outlet I would like to acknowledge. Audible Local Ledger here in Massachusetts has joined the In Perspective family. They are now airing our programs once a week, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. I want to personally thank Eric Joseph, for his support and his commitment to Win Perspective. Let me thank Jacqueline Sylvia, our web designer, for archiving In Perspective programs on my website, www.brancoevents.com. Go there, find In Perspective podcasts, click on those, and you will see most of our archived programs from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie. And I also want to thank Trish for being our host for today. And for those who are on the ACB media who are not necessarily on my mailing list, let me give out the email address if anybody has any comments to make about our program. It's bobbranco93 at gmail.com. It's B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-O 93, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Merci, Bobby. Oh, thank you, Pete. Okay, so... We have four listeners that we want to say hi to because they responded to our last show. I want to say hello to Mustafa Almadi. I hope I'm pronouncing your name properly. Linda Corral, Linda McKinney-Lambert, and Sandra Street. Thank you very much for listening to our program. Back with us today, we have Alice Massa. She's an author. She's been on our program before. And today she's going to bring a little Christmas spirit into our show. She wrote a book called The Christmas Carriage and Other Writings of the Holiday Season. Am I saying that correctly, Alice? Yes, thank you, Bob. Well, I'll tell you what I said to you off the show. I already have the Christmas spirit. I get it every year, Alice, but reading your book reinforces it. Well, that's very nice to hear and season's greetings to everyone and Thanks to you and Peter for inviting me here today to share my book and to share a little bit of the holidays season and spirit with everyone. 
But we so appreciate you being with us. Before we talk about the book, tell us a little about yourself and what what what, what sort of steered you into being a writer. I know you were a, a professor for a while. Talk about sort of your your life. Well, I grew up in a very small rural community in West Central Indiana. And as of second grade, I was already quite interested in writing and have a distinct recollection of reading a poem I had written to, at that time, the first and second grade classes were together in my small rural school. And so besides reading the poem to my teacher in my second grade class, the first grade class got to hear it also. And that's really gave me the the writing bug, I think. And I just was always very interested in writing. Uh, I was the only person in my high school of about 400 people, so a small high school, who was on the newspaper staff all four years. I did a lot of writing in various ways at my high school and then went on uh, to college and did that in my degrees that I pursued and and so forth there. So I've always been interested in writing. Uh, my last 20 years of teaching, I was teaching at Milwaukee Area Technical College. And the last 14 years of my teaching career, I, I was teaching full time, as I had done in previous to that position. And I taught mostly essay writing, um, term paper writing, and we did some poetry writing also. And as well, I, I had a unit as well to teach in speech. So it, it was a very nice career in education. But after grading all of those stacks of papers, um, I was really looking forward to a retirement when I would have time to do more of my own writing. I had been thinking about that for a long time. I had done a lot of educational writing and such, but I wanted to do more creative writing. And so that has been the, the joy of my retirement, to be able to write more poetry and memoirs and essays, a few short stories, but, but not as many. And so that's just a very quick overview. The Christmas Carriage and Other Writings of the Holiday Season is my one and only book. And it was really a dream come true. And I always say it's the little book that keeps on giving. And well, Alice, before we talk about the book more, I want to ask you to talk about your connection with uh, guide dogs, because uh, they play a major role in, in oh, yes, your writing. I'm, so please I, talk about that. Okay, I'm very glad to do that. Um, for whatever reason, although I became legally blind at age 15, I had been losing my vision. My parents knew that what was coming from when I was about five years old, but um, did not become legally blind until age 15. And do not ask me why, but for whatever reason, I thought one had to lose one's vision more completely before going to or even applying to a guide dog school. So I could have gone much sooner than I did, but I did not go until I was 39 years old in 1990. And I've had guide dogs, four guide dogs, since March uh, 21st of 1990. My fourth guide dog, Willow, 
a British Black Labrador is with me now. And right near here where I'm speaking to you, of course, uh, my first guide dog was a golden retriever named Keller. And uh, she and I went to Western Michigan together and uh, went for a second master's degree there in blind rehabilitation teaching. I did teach as a rehab teacher for six years. Um, before that, I had taught in traditional classroom. And after those six years, I returned to teaching in the cl traditional classroom. But she was with me during those years that I was at the university and then during my years that I was in rehab teaching, and she was a great guide dog for a rehabilitation teacher. And my second guide dog, Yellow Lab, my largest of my four dogs, she was around 63 pounds. Heather uh, came into my life on tax day of 1998, and um, she was quite a handful, but she did develop into an extremely fine working dog, lived a good long life. And she was with me 13 months after I fully retired her. I already had my third leader dog, Zoe, and they got along so very, very well. And it was a joy to have the two of them together. And um, Zoe came into my life on June 6th of 2007. And uh, then uh, my Willow came into my life after Zoe passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly on March 16. And uh, so ever since 2016 then, and coincidentally, June 7th of 2016, then I received I Willow and uh, Willow turned 10 years old in October but she's still working quite beautifully here in the downtown area of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I live. We have a trolley that goes right around the area where we walk frequently. So we are frequently going over trolley tracks and, and have had many construction challenges and so forth, bridges and such. So it's a, it's challenging work for a guide dog, but I've been blessed with these four wonderful leader dogs who have taken on these challenges extremely, extremely well. So I have a quick question. One more question before we go into the, the book. And that has to do with how do you think your guide dogs influence the atmosphere of the classes you taught in, in uh, writing, if at all? They were extremely, thankfully, very well-behaved guide dogs in the classroom. And my students were were very good about understanding uh, what my guide dogs do and, and how they go about the basics. And so I'm always grateful to them for that. The, the one thing that was a, a little bit different was um, if I had a class where it was right at the time for the class to end or a minute before, and my students would start getting their backpacks and things gathered together and such, ready to leave. <laughs> uh, my guide dog, especially my Heather, 
would stand up like, well, mom, it's time to go now <laughs> on to the next classroom. So that was sort of funny that, that they, the guide dogs did key in on when the time for the end of class was and, and such. But yeah. uh, they, the, each of them in each classroom, depending on how the classroom was designed, um, you know, each guide dog would have his or her own spot. Uh, each time consistently in the classroom and such and away from the traffic flow of the classes. As I gathered more seniority in my later years of teaching, I was able to have the same classroom uh, for each of the five classes that I taught. I know, now that classroom was used for other teachers as well throughout the day and the evening, but uh, it was nice to have that same classroom. But um, they are buildings at Milwaukee Area Technical College are connected by skywalks because of the weather that we sometimes have here. And so that was nice uh, to have the skywalks to go through when we needed to go from one building to another and so forth. But um, most often we walked home or uh, had a quick walk home <laughs> each day from school. And uh, so it was nice to be able to do that in nicer weather. We would also walk to school, but um, I, I, I wanted to be fresh and look nice and so forth when I was ready to start my long day at school. So sometimes we did take public transportation to school and we just always walked around the school campus all day and then walked home. So all four of them have gotten a a nice amount of walking. I'd still try to walk four miles a day, uh, breaking it up into two walks usually. But uh, my guide dogs have been an extremely important part of my life. I know definitely I would have never done a half or even a fourth of what I've done or accomplished had I not had these four dogs at my side. All right. Before we before we continue, I hear somebody's jaws. Can they please mute the jaws? It's insert space and the letter S. We can hear it. You know, Bob, means- I think that's mine, but it, the insert space does not work on mine when I try that. Because uh, it keeps interrupting. Yeah, well, we'll, it is we'll, hers. We'll uh, have to make do with it. All right. Well, uh, Alice, what prompted you to write a book about the holidays? Uh, what, what led you to do that? Well, I've always really enjoyed the holiday season. Ever since I was very young, I just really was a Christmas holiday person. And it just seemed natural to me. Uh, I had begun my blog in January of 2013 after I retired. And um, throughout the month of December, I would post holiday pieces. Actually, I did in November, some as well, Thanksgiving pieces, and then the holiday pieces in December and even a little bit into January. And so my book is a blog to book. I All of these, or most all of them, are pieces from my blog that I had accumulated and then selected and One of the most interesting parts was organizing my book, um, putting everything together the way I wanted it, but most of it was already written. 
from the work I had done for my blog. And I noticed uh, that, you know, the first section uh, roughly deals with Thanksgiving and then you move on to sort of pre-Christmas and then Christmas and then New Year's. And it it is a, 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 a mixture of sort of memoir and stories and poetry. Is that a fair, uh, fair story? Yes, that is exactly right, Peter. Okay. Thank you. There are six poems, five short stories, five memoir pieces, three essays, and two sort of how-to pieces. So I, I, I was um, intrigued. Uh, there, there, are, there are some wonderful memoirs about your growing up on Thanksgiving and also Christmas. I was more intrigued, and I'd like this to focus, if this is okay with you, uh, uh, to the, um, the, the stories that, that you wrote. And I'd like to start with the Thanksgiving phone um, and talk about that story, how it came to be. And um, I had the sense uh, that in many of these pieces, there's at least a hint of autobi autobiography in the stories. Um, is that accurate for this story? Oh, I think or, we always draw on something from ourselves or people we know as writers. There's a you know little bit there, but most of it is not. Uh, there are certainly uh, people in our family who have been in the military, and uh, my dad and his three brothers were in Europe in World War II. My nephew served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I have a cousin who's a captain in the Navy, another cousin who's uh, in Air Force, had gone to the Air Force Academy and such. So uh, there, you know, I certainly have people in my family with that background. So sometimes I like to include a little bit of that in my writing. I but think it most really of that is created. Yeah. Okay. And, and I thought, I thought it was beautifully written and um, you know, uh, how a phone misplaced phone results in a sort of a, a new connection between the, the phone finder and the family whose uh, uh, son, I think his son is returning. Yes. Um, I thought it was a very nice piece and uh, I recommend other people read it. Uh, your next, oh, come on. Uh, your next uh, item. I was amused by the Thanksgiving poetry game where you, as by, uh, without getting too complicated, you encourage people to write uh, poetry uh, as part of the Thanksgiving celebration around Thanksgiving. Uh, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, but your last thing that made me smile because it said the person who chooses not to write a poem cannot have pumpkin pie, can only have berry pies. <laughs> and my basic reaction when I read that was, I don't like, pump I don't like pumpkin pie, so I'm exempt <laughs> from this activity, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was gooseberry or raspberry. <laughs> uh, I much prefer the gooseberry or raspberry pie. So I think I won't write any poem. Uh, okay. <laughs> Al Alice, I was impressed with the poem you wrote where the first letter of each line of the, uh, was it 12, 12 lines, was Thanksgiving. The spelling of the word Thanksgiving, T-H-A-N-K-S-G-I-V-I-N-G. Yeah, that's been done for a long time with that it, word. I, I even it's clever, it. though. I, I got to yeah, tell I you, it's very clever. You. I, I tried to make it more personal instead of just generically. I think that's one challenge for the writer with holiday pieces is and with guide dogs, writing about guide dogs as well. Holidays and guide dogs is finding something that is a little bit different, finding something that 
is unique, uh, that is one's own, and that's uh, that's that's the the challenge with writing these holiday pieces, I think. So thank you, Bob. So Alice, since we've talked about guide dogs before, and you just mentioned it, you wanted to read something uh, which is currently called Zoe's Christmas Eve, and why don't you set it up and read it? Well, in the book, it's called Zoe's Christmas Eve, and after I read this, I'll tell you a little bit more about the background. This is the oldest piece by far in the book, but each time with each guide dog, I have changed the title. So today, I'm going to share with you Willow's Christmas Eve, and so it goes. My gift to you is a story to share. From my telling to your telling, it will go everywhere, like season's greetings, good cheer, and a smile. Christmas hope and warm wishes, this story should last for a while. Now, to the point of this tiny tale. Dear Rudolph entered with a loud ka Instead of red, his nose was purple and blue. Santa was startled, but asked with dismay, what in the world happened to you today? The story is simple. A flu bug did bite. Not just Rudy's nose, but Santa's whole flight. Two little elves made the diagnosis complete. Dasher and Dancer laid down in defeat. Not even they could fight off that nasty flu bug. Prancer and Vixen, you guessed it, sacked out on a rug. Comet and Cupid needed Mrs. Claus. Donner and Blitzen took a moment to pause to realize it was Rudy's flu. They all have. Let me tell you, the situation was bad. Oh, a solution, a solution to this problem we need. As Santa patted poor Rudy's head, he wondered, who will take the lead? After all of these years, my reindeer deserves some sick leave. But other guides for my sleigh? I cannot perceive. Then Mrs. Claus wiped her glasses and said, The answer ought to come right off the top of your head. You know that Elf Louis has one special dog that always helps guide him through snow, sun, or fog. That Labrador Retriever will show you the way. That guide dog named Willow will fly Christmas Day. Oh, 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 Mrs. Claus, you are absolutely right. Now, I can get ready for a long Christmas night. Oh, Santa, I know you will be safe with Willow as your lead. Rudolph and the other reindeer nodded and agreed. So, 
On that Christmas night, as Santa flew out of sight, he exclaimed, My wish is peace worldwide, and may God bless each and every dog guide. Thank you, Alice, and talk about the poem. Well done, Alice. Thank you. Uh, in 1989, I had lost my pet dog, a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And she had had some health issues and such, but she passed away very, very quickly. And she was a real sweetheart. And um, I was so upset about her passing and such, but I also knew always somewhere in the back of my mind that a guide dog would be my next dog. And so to try to get over this loss and make a bridge to this new world of having a guide dog, I sat down at my roll top desk and I wrote this poem as quickly as I could write. And wow. it was really a gift to me because I I have written uh, through the years probably as many or more long poems than I have short ones. And I'm always striving to write shorter poems, actually, because many of them that I've written are over 50 lines and they're not very marketable. But um, I, I just sat down and this all came out. Well, I think it's fabulous. Thank um, you. And in 91, that happened in 89. In 91, I did uh, change the name to Keller's Christmas Eve, and it became uh, the poem that I shared in my Christmas card that year. And then later, when Heather came into my life, it became Heather's Christmas Eve. And then I shared it with my writing students at that time as a sample to them. And then for the book, it changed to Zoe's Christmas Eve. And for your program, it changed to Willow's Christmas Eve. But As it's it basically the same poem. So thank you for letting me share it today. During COVID, I did not share it at all. Those three years when COVID was at its worst, um, it just did not seem appropriate. But I thought and I hope that today everyone thinks that it's okay to to share this today. It's very okay to share it. So, so Bob, you. I think it might be a good time to uh, for questions. It's about that. I think so. So you're listening to In Perspective. I'm Bob Branco, and he's Peter Alchil. Our guest is Alice Massa, author of The Christmas Carriage and Other Writings of the Holiday Season. And Trish, do we have any raised hands? I do not see any raised hands. Oh, wait a second. We have one hand. Sally, okay. go ahead. All right, Sally. Okay, Alice, I feel very fortunate to call you a writing colleague and friend. I have your book on Kindle, and I read it every Christmas season. And what I love about your writing so much is how your kindness, your love, and your respect for humanity and dogs just shines through and reflects Christmas. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sally. And you know how much I admire and greatly enjoy your poetry and your your lovely Thank book you. as well, Peonies in Winter. But Sally has mentioned something that means so much to me. I've, I've had a number of people tell me that they put my book 
away with their Christmas decorations and then bring it out each Christmas season. And I just, I love to hear that. That is, that is so nice and, and so special to me. It, it does make a lovely little gift book and um, it, it has such a, a pretty Christmas cover to it with the horse-drawn carriage. And there's quite a story behind that, uh, that cover the photograph that uh, a friend of mine, Chris Cantac, found for me for the cover of the book. But maybe if we have time later, I can mention that. But we'll go ahead with the questions now. Thank you. Uh, uh, any other any other hands raised? Not on Zoom. Okay. No, nothing in Clubhouse? No, I don't think so. All right. If there are any, Trish, just interrupt us. That way we'll know. Okay, I will. Yeah, feel Thank free you. to interrupt. That's perfectly appropriate. So you okay. mentioned uh, oh, the story. Of the I'm person. sorry, Peter. Yeah, we just had a raised hand. It seems like every time we ask the question, they pop up. Beth has her hand up. Go ahead, okay. Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi. I came in a little bit like. How long have you been writing that story of Willow's Christmas? He was pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Beth. Uh, I, I did say earlier, I really got into writing in second grade and have been writing in one fashion or another ever since then. But thank oh, you for your That's neat. Uh -huh. I, like I used to like to write uh, ahead, stories when I was young, too. Good. Good. Thank you, Beth. Thank you. Thanks. Cool. Okay. And again, Trish, if somebody raises their hand, please uh, interrupt us. Okay, do. So, uh, Alice, you mentioned the Christmas carriage, which is the which is the featured story in the book. Talk about why you chose to make that that the feature. It's sort of in the middle of the book, so it's sort of it's sort of the climax, perhaps, of the book. Is that the way you sort of viewed it as you put this thing together? Uh, it's sort of in the middle, so uh, it the book is more chronological in its. Organization, but I did decide to early on to call the the book the Christmas Carriage and other writings of the holiday season. Um, the story behind that short story is that when I was teaching rehab, uh, one of my students and she was one of my older students because I had students from eighteen to eighty two, and she was in her. Uh, late 70s, I think at the time, and she expressed on more than one occasion that she would really like to have a carriage ride. Well, the Milwaukee Coach and Carriage, before the trolley came into being, used to go right by my townhouse all the time and would be in the area where my guide dogs and I would walk. So I frequently heard the clippity-clop of the horse drawn carriages in my area and it was a really nice part of downtown Milwaukee and this student expressed this desire that she would really like to have a carriage ride one of these days and I always thought of it I thought oh that sounds like that should somehow turn into a story someday and it took me a while but I finally came up with the the story, The Christmas Carriage, and uh, think of her each time when I go back and, and read it, of course. 
And I was very lucky because, as I started to say earlier, uh, I told a friend of mine, I said, I just, you know, can't find a photo um, for my cover of my book. And so he said he would look, and he did, and he called me about two hours later, and he found this photo. And, oh, I, it was just perfect. But, of course, we didn't know how to find if it was still in the public domain. And he said, well, tr there's a little sign there someplace that says Historic Third Ward, uh, which is right here in Milwaukee. And the the horse is perfect because it has a star blaze. It's a black horse with a star blaze, just as I had described in the story. And so um, I called the executive director of the Historic Third Ward. She knew who had taken the picture. The person even worked part-time at the Historic Third Ward office. And so within two days, I was able to speak with the photographer. And she said, the only thing I'll ask of you is that you please let me find the higher grade photo that's just like the one that your friend saw. She said, I just will ask that you use the higher grade photo. Well, that was marvelous. I was most willing to wait and let her find that particular photo for me. And uh, so I, all she wanted was that. And I, of course, gave her a bunch of books to copies of the books to give to her family. But the coincidence and odd thing was two days later, after we had talked on the phone, I was walking with my guide dog and she saw me at an intersection. And then another two weeks, I think it was after that, I was in Metro Market, our local supermarket. She came up to me and said, are you Alice Massa? And I said, yes, I am. And I was there trying to go through all these voices because once in a while a student will come up to me and I you know, try to recognize a voice, which is not always easy to do after so many years of teaching and so forth. And she wasn't a student. She was the photographer, Cindy Lesky, uh, Cindy Kennedy Lesky. And so that it, she and I both felt it was just meant to be that her photo would be on the cover of my book. So it, it makes a beautiful little book, 101 pages, and it's a little gift book, and it has red and green lettering besides this photo of the horse-drawn carriage in the snow here in Milwaukee. And, and, where, so, and, where can, and where can people buy the book? Okay, well, the print book, of course, is available from Amazon and Barnes & Noble for $7.50. It's just a nice little hostess gift or small gift when you want to give someone something. It is also available through Kindle. And of course, if you have an Echo Dot or such device, uh, you can listen to the book on your Echo Dot uh, through Kindle. And that is $2.99. For those of us in Wisconsin, taxes, it's $3.15. Um, the book is also available through audio and Braille literacy enhancement. One of the great joys of my life was to hold my book in Braille 
And um, I was able to do that on August 5th of 2017, less than a year after it was printed. And it was also made available in audio from ABLE, which is Audio and Braille Literacy Enhancement here in Milwaukee. And that audio book was put into the NLS system. So that is available on BARD for download as DBC, and that's letter C is in community, DBC 08305. It's a reading time of only about two and a half hours. Um, it was done at one of the two recording studios that we have at Audio and Braille Literacy Enhancement, which is in the same building as our Wisconsin Talking Book and Braille Regional Library. And I was delighted that they recorded the book and then that it was brought into the NLS system so that people can download it from BARD. It was recorded by Dave Rausch, R-A-A-S-C-H. And uh, the uh, the book, um, when it's on Kindle, I will say this, it does not include the dedication and the acknowledgments, which were so important to me, but for whatever reason, the book on Kindle does not have that. You would have to read that elsewhere. Uh, it's in progress to be made available besides from audio and braille literacy enhancement through NLS as well. That was supposed to be done in October, but it's still a work in progress <laughs> that it's still not available that way. If you are interested, uh, ablenow.org, A-B-L-E-N-O-W.org is the website uh, where it's available in Braille and audio also, but you can get the audio from NLS, again, DBC 08305. What about Bookshare? I thought it was on Bookshare, and I found out it was not, Bob. So that's another still work in progress. I wish it were there for because I know a lot of people use that now. And we do have a hand. Let's take okay. a hand. Marlene, go ahead. Hi, Marlene. Welcome. Marlene. <laughs> Maybe she needs to hit the guy. I think I hear you. Maybe. Yeah, very oh, famously. I'm so sorry. I forgot to bring my microphone down. There you go. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Alice, your book is absolutely beautiful. I've read it on Bard a couple of times. And I do want to say, though, they do not read the captions for the pictures in the book. Right. And they don't read that, the captions. They yeah. say also. Yeah. That would be, um, you know, a a treasure to have because, you know, some of the writings are of a historical nature and personal, and it's, it's just a treasure. Well, thank you so much, Marlene. That's very kind of you to say. I should say that Zoe, my third leader dog picture, to whom the book is dedicated, along with my parents, um, that Zoe's picture is on the back cover. So even though the horse-drawn carriage is on the front, there's a beautiful picture of Zoe um, with Christmas decor in the background on the back cover of the book. 
along with the blurb that's there. Um, there are just a couple of other gray tone or gray line photos in the book. The only color photos are on the cover and the back cover. And um, my most recent trainer at Leader Dog School, who is an author herself, Christy Bain, took the photo that is with the about the author uh, on that particular page, and it's of uh, Willow and me at a bridge in the park in Rochester, Michigan. And so uh, there is a little picture, a very small one, of, of Willow there as well. Uh, there's another picture of Zoe on the dedication page. And um, I do hope that uh, many of you could read that dedication and the acknowledgement. It means so much to me. In the acknowledgments, I thank many people, but I certainly want to say also Marlene and I know Linda and Sally and Annie and Peter are here who've been active and behind our eyes. I always say I know that if there had not been other members of the writers group behind our eyes uh, who had talked about blogging and their blogging successfully, I would have never started my blog in January of 2013 and blogged each week since then. I know that if there had not been the authors in that group who had been successfully publishing with DLD books, self-publishing with DLD books of Colorado, I probably would have been hesitant about taking that step also. So it was very important for my blog and for my book that I learned so much and received support and friendship from the many writers of Behind Our Eyes. And I, Alice, if I may add something, I think I will speak for all of DLD Books as clients when I make this statement. They are excellent at what they do, and I commend them highly for their work. Well, we just have so many people to thank and acknowledge. Uh, even for a small book as mine, it's it's just uh, really been uh, a, a work that has given me the opportunity to to thank so many people. And at the end of my acknowledgments list, I even thank my little hometown of Blandford because it it really is what gave me my style of writing and my heart uh, for writing the memoir pieces that I do. And, it, you know, that's where I developed my love of dogs as well, which is very important to my writing as well. And, so, And we do have another hand. Go ahead. All right. Who is it? Lisa, go ahead. Okay, Lisa. Hi, thank you very much. I just wanted to know if you could please repeat the DB number again. Uh, did you want the DBC number again? I, I can barely yeah. hear you. Yeah. Uh, this was made uh, through one of the local uh, recording studios. There is that third letter, and in this case, it's the letter C. So remember that DBC 08305. And if you're using something like a Victor Reader Stream or Victor Reader Trek, you just put in that 08305, 
that should bring it up also. If you're on Bard, I think if you just put Christmas Carriage or The Christmas Carriage or My Name Alice Massa, I don't think you even have to put Alice Jane Marie Massa. I think it will come up on Bard. I, I think I've tried each of those different ways. So, But it's there. And thank you for asking, Lisa. And we do have another hand. All right. Who's the other hand? Thank you, Lisa. Me Who do we have? Musi. Go ahead. Okay, Musi. Um, You're up. Okay. Uh, my question is, your blog since 2013, do you put the blog in a certain part of the day every day, or does it vary? Most often, <laughs> I, most often, I post my blog late on Wednesday night. Okay. It's not 100%, but most often that's when it is. And it's and how, can, how can people access your blog? Okay, thank you, Peter. HTTP <laughs> colon slash slash Alice, my first name, A-L-I-C-E, 13. That's the year I started my blog, and it's my dad's birth year, 1913. So 13 got in there, 1-3, Alice 13 word walk that's what i call my blog w o r d w a l k dot wordpress dot com so alice 13 wordwalk dot wordpress dot com thank you very much for that uh any hands raised not right out the oh, second all right again please interrupt us if somebody does raise a hand Alice, I'm sorry, Peter. We we just had the hand raised. Let's do it. Um Nora, Nora's iPad. Go ahead. All right. Oh, hi, Hello. Alice. Hi. Hi, everyone. And I have a place to meet you and I want thank you, Elvin. Thank you for your wonderful uh presentation about your book. And it sounds if I've never read it, but it sounds wonderful to me. And the way you talk about it is just very phenomenal. It's wonderful. Well, thank, you. thank you, Nora. I hear <laughs> you on many of the calls and on I Love Braille and such. And so it's nice to have you here this afternoon. Thank you. I hope you read it sometime. Yeah, maybe someday. I hope so. Thank you. It is it is it is really short and very, very nice. Alice, one of the things that struck me, especially about your short stories, is that there is a, a moment where a small act of kindness takes place uh, and results in all kinds of nice things downstream, uh, or at least small things, you know, they, they ripple out of the kindness thing. You know, whether uh, it happens in the Christmas carriage, it also happens in uh a piece at Coco uh with the clauses, a Wrath and Natal, Natal holiday story. And there, uh, there was one having to do with the puppies at, at the very end. Was uh, That struck me as sort of a common theme. Is that uh, a common theme in your writing? Or how, how does that uh, play for you? Oh, I hope it is. And uh, thank you for noticing that, Peter. I, uh, I, I, I would rather write positive things and more uplifting pieces. I, I think too often we don't have enough of that. And I think we need more of that. So I agree totally. I I hope uh, that uh, 
you know, I can write more of those kind of pieces. My intention was when I wrote a sign of peace at Coco with the clauses. Well, I live a uh, caddy corner from that park that I describe. And the other parks as well were, each of those were places um, that I was describing that really are here in Milwaukee. And there is, there used to be this every December Coco with the clauses. So that came from real happenings, but Aretha Natale, uh, I, I had planned to do one of those stories each Christmas. And um, a dear friend of my mother, my mother was a postmaster and her friend, her best friend was called Aretha. And she was a postmaster in the town just north of us. And so I named that character in honor of Retha, who was like a, another aunt to me. I had seven aunts, but she was like number eight <laughs> to me. She was a very kind and special, very positive lady. And Natale, that's a family name in our community. And, and uh, one of the clerks who worked for my mother at the post office, that was her last name. And of course, that means Christmas in Italian. Yes. I thought that I would use this character, Retha Natale, more. But finally, a couple of years ago, or three or four now, I did finally write The Christmas Poet. And Retha Natale appears again as a central character in that short story that is available on my blog. If you just go back and look at my December blogs through the years, you'll see other pieces that I've written that are not in the book. Someday, I do hope to take my other holiday pieces, combine them with this, and make a larger book of all the all the pieces. And uh, we'll see if that comes about one of these days, but slightly different title, different cover probably and such, but expanding on this book i did want to ask paul if he had anything to ask you because i patched paul in i'm not sure if he would show up if he wanted to speak so paul did you want to say something to alice right now wow. so okay. you need to while we're waiting for paul um can you talk about your poem snow dancers i felt i found that especially interesting uh the, i think it's the last piece in your book Yes, it is. And that was the one that was the latest written one. Many are written in 2014, 2015, but that was, I think, the only one that was written in 2016. And um, it, it's really a, a story poem for children. And that's one of the few pieces I've written for children that I would like to have someday in a children's book format. And um, I I take these characters, um, or pardon me, the real life people, Jake Tapper, I turn into Jake the Tapper, and um, Peggy Fleming, the famous ice skater from the 1968 Grenoble Olympics, um, who was the only one to win the gold medal that year from the United States, if I'm correct about that. Um, I turn her and Peggy Fleming into Peggy Frosting. 
And uh, <laughs> then Fred Astaire, the famous dancer of long ago, uh, who danced with Ginger Rogers and in one movie, Easter Parade with Judy Garland. I turned Fred Astaire into Fred Eclair and um, have another character named Pretty Wintry. And what happens is that one night, the snow angels that have been made into the snow come to life for a while and they help to turn the snow people, I will say the snow men and snow ladies into life again for a while that night. And they all become dancers. And so that's what this little story poem is about. And it's it, it, the, the whole book, um, I can tell you the people who I think have most enjoyed it that I get feedback from are people who are senior citizens, but there are pieces in the book that are uh, definitely for children. And this is, this is one of them. So uh, Alice, talk about um, your plans for the future. What do you, what are you working on now? Uh, when, when might your next book come out? What, do, what are you working on? Well, I thought maybe there would be a second one by now, but it just hasn't happened that way. I I do continue with my blog. And as I said earlier, I, I think I really would uh, like to get some of my, I've got two or three children's books that I would really like to uh, pursue trying to get those published next and perhaps even by a more traditional publisher rather than self-publishing. So I am really looking toward that next. Um, and hopefully by the end of 2024, that's my goal, but that's been my goal for the past couple of years. Um, and then to expand on a Christmas book and have a larger Christmas book with many more pieces in it and more short stories and poems and a little more memoir piece as well. Oh. I hear a Jaws. That's that's me. I'm trying to find something. Uh, 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 Alice, um, talk. Uh, uh, what would you say to your earlier self, 25 years ago, when you started your writing journey? Uh, what have you learned from uh, your your experiences that you might want to pass on to a younger writer? Well, I. I know that if you're going to do a book, I do suggest start earlier than you ever think, because some, it, it just, especially, I think even more now than when I did my book in 2016, some of these processes just take longer than um, they used to or what we would like for them to. So if you're looking toward doing a holiday book, I was lucky enough to gather the pieces together at the end of August and talk to Leonore Dvorkin in the first week of September. And the book was in my hands on November 30th, and I announced it on December 1st. So that's pretty fast. And I'm not sure things are happening quite that quickly now. Uh, to be more comfortable, I'd sure you know, have things together earlier in the year, January, February, March, 
if I wanted something out uh, by Thanksgiving time, because most of the time when we do a holiday book, those are out in October or for certain by the 1st of November before Thanksgiving. So it it's, you know, getting that timing correct. Um, another thing I learned by doing the book, something as simple and very practical as uh, knowing the typeset and such so that you know how long a title or subtitle or chapter heading, whatever it may be, how long that can be, and that you want to cut it yourself. And if it has to go to two lines, you don't let the person who's doing the format cut it for you, especially if you're an old English teacher. You want to cut it the logical place and not in the middle of a phrase or something. And so those little practical things come up. Um, another thing I suggest is to keep a book journal so that you can have all the information about your book when you have an opportunity to do a program such as In Perspective. You can look over that book journal and have some of that basic information about the progress of your book in mind and can more easily and readily share the information when you have the opportunity to do so. But Alice, you have what, four minutes. Uh, Alice, um, what advice did you give to your writing students that you have uh, uh, applied to your own writing? Oh, you know many of those <laughs> things that I would... I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about sort of the current publication, just your, you know, you said to anyone to write something. Yeah, uh, I... Uh, I, yeah. I well, for one thing, I say no matter what topic or prompt one is given or assignment, one can write something. I, I don't believe in writer's block. You may not write as well as you normally do. You may not write the way you would reach for the stars for at that particular time, but but you can uh, you can write. And so I really would tried very much to steer my students away of any thought of writer's block. And so I I really approach that myself with that with those same thoughts echoing in my head. Uh, of course, I did a lot of teaching about MLA style, modern language association style, and grammar and punctuation. I'm big on grammar and punctuation. I edit and edit and proofread and proofread and proofread my pieces and try my very best to have them as as well written as possible. And I, I certainly told my students right. the name of the writing game, as many people say, and I said, the name of the writing game is revision. Yeah, We are out of time. Just give us the site of your blog again so people can check it out. Okay. Thank you, Bob. It's HTTP colon slash slash Alice13wordwalk.wordpress.com. And I certainly wish everyone a very Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, and hope all of you have just a very lovely and peaceful holiday season. And right back at you, Alice, and uh, I really want to commend Behind Our Eyes for the service that they offer us. That's a very good organization. I indeed. give them a free plug. It is, it is indeed. We appreciate so thank you, you for that. It, Bob. Thank you. Next thank week, you, we're, 
Next week, we're going to have a tribute to Christmas. And among the guests that we have, my better half will be on the show. Amy Branco, along with Karen Crowder, Stephen Theberge, and Tabitha Cabral. Should be a great show, a tribute to Christmas. Peter, thank you as always. Thank you, Trish, for being our host. Thank you, Alice, of course, for being on the program today. And our participants. I'm Bob Branco. Go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a great evening. Take care.